0: I I don't know whether it's possible to cultivate a style.
1: Nobody
0: is precisely what they think they are. Where you find it, where you find it,
1: where you find it, love is where you find it. Maybe in the last moments of my life, moments of my life, I will be curious to know what it means to die.
0: Welcome to Folk Phenomenology. My name is Sam Rocha. This is episode four of season two, featuring special guest Melissa Cedillo. Folk Phenomenology is generously supported by Wippenstock Publishers, Voice and Truth. From biblical studies to classic theology, poetry to philosophy, our authors are experts, scholars, and artists. St. Mark's College Center for Christian Engagement. Nurturing the dialogue between Christians in the life of the academy and that of larger society. Give Us This Day. Daily Prayer for Today's Catholic. Solidarity Hall. Eden plus Utopia. Black Catholic Messenger. An online publication for Black Catholics. U.S. Catholic faith and real life common wheel magazine the leading lay voice for commentary on religion politics and culture the juan diego network catholic audio for latinos to support folk phenomenology please share this episode subscribe to the show on your favorite app or platform and leave a review or drop a tip you can also follow folk phenomenology on twitter and facebook Melissa, welcome to Folk Phenomenology.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, speak with you. I followed some of your, uh, I think ever since your appointment to NCR, uh, I started following you there and some of your work. Um, Why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and then we'll see what we wanna talk about.
1: Sure, so I am originally from the Coachella Valley, which is about two and a half hours south of Los Angeles in California and about two hours north of the border in Mexicali, so not as far uh, west as Tijuana. Um, And I was born and raised there, and I became or converted, depending on what theological word you want to use, Catholic when I was 17, um, and that took place in the desert as well, and then went to um, California for college, and... Um, sorry, there's a dog in the background. Totally Um, fine, don't worry. (laughs) And then, um, went to the East Coast afterwards. And yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Um, I studied theology and I also did a focus in religion and public policy and really thought for a long time that I would end up either pursuing the PhD route to teach. Um, canon law was interesting to me for a bit, um, but when the opportunity of working in like lay media and using kind of that intersection came about I was like very intrigued so kind of a roundabout way um of where I landed in terms of reporting but uh I've been very excited about the ride so far
0: (laughs) yeah no absolutely I um I think it's super interesting uh some of the things I've seen from your writing and also from some of the kind of uh, boilerplate type stuff talked about um an interest in the intersection or uh, maybe in some cases a lack of an intersection uh, between progressive politics and Catholicism. Um, And obviously your life story, I'm guessing, informs that in some ways or what have you. But it's also an interesting uh, theme for me. I think my journey to it is probably a bit different. But I wonder if we might think about that a bit.
1: Yeah, I think big picture. Um, a lot of times my background in organizing um, is around progressive politics. So that means, you know, um, canvassing for progressive politicians or candidates. It means reading and supporting often what is labeled as progressive policy, whether it's around health care. Um, access or who should have health care or how much it should or shouldn't cost all of those things um, but for me it sometimes feels that my you know catholic church life is in one bucket and my progressive politics is in another and that's not so much my own separation of the two as much as it seems that the national dialogue or even inter like kind of relational dialogue is that like when I'm talking with people that maybe I go to mass with the politics aren't progressive and then when I'm talking with people who identify as progressive they're like I guess that's cool that you're Catholic but we don't really think that there's a lot of religious um, tones or themes or space um, in progressive politics for those who are religious and so for me I see them as clearly intersected but I think a lot of sometimes the spaces that I Um, roll in, uh, sometimes separate the two by default. And I think there's a long history there. I don't think that doesn't, you know, just doesn't come from um, absolutely nowhere. And also um, I like, you know, float between those spaces and sometimes it's frustrating. And sometimes I think there's a lot of room for creative, um, you know, visioning of like what could be possible in this country and in communities and, you know, within my own uh, life as well. Um, but yeah, I wasn't raised Catholic. Um, I became Catholic. And um, what I mean by that is um, my family was so not religious that when I needed my baptismal certificate to go through the confirmation process, my parents like couldn't find it and both like named a different uh, church where they thought I was baptized. And I was kind of like, I was baptized, right? (laughs) And I was, (laughs) um, but like I wasn't raised going to church every Sunday. Um, you know, I'm part Mexican-American. And so the assumption is that like you, I was raised devoutly Catholic and I, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sent to a Catholic high school kind of against my will um, because I was a public school student, but my mom really wanted me to be the first in my family to go to college. And there was this Jesuit high school that had just opened up. In um, my hometown for the first time and she had applied for financial aid. I didn't even know this and I got it. She was like, you're going. And I was like, we're not Catholic. We're not rich. Why am I going to this private fancy high school? Um, But it was my experience there that ultimately I really felt what I would now call a call to become Catholic before I graduated high school. Um, So I got confirmed. I ended up studying theology, but really what pulled me into this was this message of um, forgiveness and reconciliation and being community oriented, which for me is you know, often associated with progressive politics by default. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like, I would say where my personal journey and my work often overlaps. Gosh,
0: there's a lot I want to almost break open <laughs> from that. Um, this happens, on, on, to be honest, it doesn't usually happen this early in an interview. Usually the, after we get warmed up, I feel kind of like torn between Three, sometimes four different paths to take. I'm hearing two here. I, I suppose maybe I'll take the first one and and maybe trace back to the second one. Um, the first, I guess, is uh, I really value the discussion on the what you called floating between progressive politics and 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 in particular, you know, advocacy for universal health care and things like that. Or my assumption is, if it's progressive politics, it's that sure. yes. universal <laughs> healthcare, yeah good. Um, <laughs> um, and then, you know, a religious environment. And I think that like the, the impression of the religious Catholic intramural national conversation as being, um, not in sync perhaps with progressive politics is, is an interesting line. I have been so kind of, um, I've had my wrist slapped so many times by old-school progressivists and leftists and socialists and, you know, Catholic social justice warriors and Catholic workers in particular, and who are like, you know, you know, this this isn't new. This isn't happening forever. And and of course they're right, right? There's no question that they're absolutely right. Uh, international colleagues who are like, this has been happening in Latin America and in, you know the global. And I get that. And 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 I don't want to throw any shade on any of those pushbacks, but I do think that um, it's useful to talk about the contemporary small lens of where we are today. And I agree with the way you've you've framed it. And I, I might want I might want to even go further that not, it doesn't just seem as if the contemporary Catholic landscape with respect to politics is not in conversation with the left or progressive politics as we might call it. But that it's like default setting is the right and yeah. a kind of default um, kind of conservatism. And we can find this as far up as archbishops and, you know, yeah, the USCCB. Definitely. And we can find it, of course, all the way down into major network media like EWTN and others and stuff. So, I mean, I think you were generous to say, I'm not seeing how these two folks are in conversation, but... I think we agree that like, it's, it's actually maybe worse than that. Or or, or is that just my impression?
1: Um, I mean, it's, I think it's the conversation just feels like there are separate conversations of kind of just yelling at two different things that aren't in conversation. If that answers your question Mm -hmm. at all. Um, I think you're right. I think that's why, um, it's so important to highlight that this like the progressive quote unquote left having religious roots is historically true, right? If you look at the civil rights movement, yes, it's led by pastors and it's done, you know, praying with your feet. If you look at mm-hmm. the original, um, you know, March with Cesar Chavez, um, there is hunger fasts that are rooted in Catholic history. And, mm-hmm. you know, La Virgin is very present in that. And like, you know there are bishops involved, and um, a lot of times when I was interviewing folks from the UFW movement, the United Farm Worker movement, who you know are maybe over fifty, their um, reason that they stayed Catholic and are Catholic was the farm worker movement. So sure. like again, that past is always worth highlighting and celebrating, mm-hmm. especially with liberation theology, Absolutely. because you know. Liberation theology represents, you know, to me that when you say the Catholic experience, even if Catholic is supposed to be universal, um, the experience of being human and Catholic is different, right? Because of where you're born because of class, race, ethnic identity, fill in the blank. And that doesn't mean that um, it should divide us, but it does mean realistically our lived experiences are different. And so I think that when you talk about this progressive kind of bucket and then the like Catholics in another bucket, I think also what's happening is when we talk about the Catholic experience at a national level, usually who we're referring to are middle-class Right. white,
0: yeah. over
1: 45 suburban Catholics. Mm-hmm. And that is a population that is in fact Catholic, but it isn't sure. the only mm-hmm. population. And so right. when you bring up you know, um, topics like abortion or LGBTQ rights and you break it down by voting blocks, like Catholics are divided usually by race, education mm-hmm. and class. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't say divided in a negative way to be divisive as much as I say that like, it's hard sometimes because the conversation is that, you know, if you are a Latino or that next Catholic who's 30 in Texas, you're more likely to have progressive politics just based on voting patterns, especially if you're, you know, second generation Mexican American. But that that nuance, that breakdown is never talked about usually when we're talking about Catholics. Overall, usually what makes the news are the conservative Catholics who are on the Supreme Court or, you mm-hmm. know, um, conservative Catholic writers or outlets. Um, and again, if you're in progressive circles, that's the only perception you have of Catholics.
0: Right. Like,
1: you're not necessarily going to be warm and welcoming because so many of Catholics in power are right. pushing very harmful legislation, Um to people, some real lived experiences, right? And so, yeah, I would say that sometimes there's a conversation, and sometimes even in my own work of writing and organizing, the progressive left exists in religious ways, but it usually doesn't include Catholics. It's usually hmm. Methodist. It's yeah. usually the faith of yeah. Jewish folks and Muslim folks, but it's really hard to get Catholics in those spaces not because of lack of outreach or lack of trying to have conversations but like if you want catholics to sign on they usually have to do individually right because they can't Mm -hmm. do a church without having the diocese say Mm -hmm. okay and Mm -hmm. then the bishop has to say okay and usually like that just doesn't happen right Right. um and it doesn't
0: happen because they they're going to um Run a kind of litmus test, and they're going to immediately identify a platform that's going to not have the position on abortion that they want it to have. And they're going to.
1: Yeah. And that's just one issue. Even like sometimes with farmworker stuff or the Immokalee workers in Florida who, you know, push so often to boycott Wendy's, for example, because they're the only ones who haven't signed their fair food agreement. Mm -hmm. Um, There will be individual Catholics who support the boycott, but you don't necessarily see. Uh, Yes, the Catholic Church is supportive of the boycott, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is different than like when you look back to some of the original unions in the US, you look back to Mm. the grape, you know, strike, like where it was very clear that you could say the church, the Catholic Church supports this. And now it seems like individual Catholics can support this, but the church will not support this, even issues that aren't around you know, sexuality or reproductive health. And that sure. I think is what I find frustrating sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a really, that's a really good point. Um, I'm thinking right now about the you know gun control and, and gun violence and the, after Uvalde, like the, um, the outspokenness of people like Bishop Flores from Brownsville, um, the local, uh, the Archbishop of San Antonio, oh, I can't, believe I'm forgetting his name. Um, and, uh, you know, um, Archbishop Corleone signed on to their, uh, um, you know, their appeals. Of course there were others who weren't in line with that and stuff, but, uh, I think you're right. The, the sort of issue-based solidarity is, is hard to find yeah. across the church. Yeah. Um, no, that's 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 really important. I, I think that, uh, and I also think that you're raising a really important point about, um, you know, so much of my so much of my work, uh, inside and outside, is I, I work at a secular university, right? I don't mm-hmm. work at a Catholic university, and a lot of times I'm pointing out Paulo Freire, you know, other writers that like, hey, look, there's already religion here. What do we make of this? Like, you know, yeah. is this is this a reason to um, to not? Uh, consult these sources or if we still want to consult them then can we make can we do a better job right and then in Catholic circles I spend a lot of time saying like there is a viable project on the progressive or left side yeah. for Catholics right um and a lot of times that can become a little bit too much of a too easy of a dialectic but I think the point you're making about the fact that if I was to be less, Bird's eye view of this, I would have to admit that I've had to have a lot of conversations with my progressive left-wing socialists, in the especially the communists and, and, and liberal friends who are like, you know, Sam, I'm not going to say anything in front of everybody, but like, what is up with the Catholic thing? Like, really? Yeah. Like, you know, my mom's Catholic. I think I get it. I I was raised Catholic, and oftentimes like oftentimes they're not speaking from you know, total ignorance, but they're just like, I just don't see it. Like, why do you need that to do what you want to do? You know? And I I have to say, I, I don't get to talk about those conversations as much because in some sense, they interrupt the narrative <laughs> yeah. of, of what I'm, of what I'm working on, but, 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 um, but they do exist. And, and I think they are important for me as a Catholic, as a progressive, as a leftist, as a human being, um, You know, I think they're important conversations to have. Is that some of your experience that you're talking about here, or do you have any examples? Or you know,
1: I'm trying to think of examples off the top of my head, but I think what often comes to mind is like a lot of social justice Catholics, which, in in theory, you think that means all Catholics, but that's very a specific (laughs) like group of Catholics, right? Catholic workers. Nonprofits, sure. campus ministry really like dorothy gay why yeah. because she like danced with anarchism but it didn't yeah. fit and she was friends with communism but it didn't yeah. fit and she yeah. was against the war but also had critiques on the welfare system and i think what people really like and often i would say and romanticize is this mm-hmm. hard to pin Catholics can never belong to one political oh, party yes. And in that way, I I, I see it. I agree. Um, at best, Catholics can't be progressive or Democrat or Republican or conservative or an anarchist. Like, they can't be any of these things because it's a false idol, right? It's putting party above God. It's putting, like, earthly matters above heaven. So, like, I get the theology about it. And also... I think the Jesuit in me who sees like the God in all things Mm -hmm. really does take that value. And so I think those conversations happen and the people who come to me often are not because they're anti-Catholic or because they have um, just anti-religion. It usually comes because they've been very hurt by the church. Yes, um, yes. And no one's ever been there to hear them out or remedy Mm -hmm. or heal. There hasn't been large accountability and transparency around what the church has done. And so I think that um, often, you know, I have had people ask me, how do you do this and this? Or Mm -hmm. why are you still Catholic? And I don't have like a, a very nice answer. I think a lot of it is just constant conversation and discernment but i think for me like sometimes when people are talking about abortion for example um there are people who are raised catholic perhaps um and i found this a lot with people who are raised catholic believe in the right to abortion but because they are catholic feel guilty about believing that um Mm. and but because they're in progressive circles they should just be over the guilt um and so i think Um, a politician who actually really captures this, and you can debate if you deem her progressive or not, is Stacey uh, Abrams, um, okay. where she talks yeah. about like, um, I don't believe in abortion for myself, but I believe in the care for it. Um, but also, I'm learning, and I think why I bring all of this example, all of these examples up, because I think what's important here is that when you are raised Catholic, a lot of times you are told you don't belong in these spaces, um, mm. and. Even I think there has to be room if you want to be in these spaces to say, I feel like I'm doing something I'm not supposed to. How do I work through this? Right. If you Mm -hmm. are, you know, um, pushing for LGBTQ rights, um, specifically trans rights, like right now, the narrative is that is against that is a threat to the church and the family um, unit as a whole. And and yeah, like you believe in these. So there needs to be a space for people to say, I confirm what I believe, and I feel a sense of guilt because I've been told this is not what I'm supposed to do. And I think those are the those are the conversations. Um, But a lot of times, when people come to me and they're communist or socialist or whatever, their qualms with qualms with the church are not usually far off. They are. I was, you know, I identify as queer, and I was told my mom was embarrassed and like. Not because she hates me, but because her church friends would judge her and mm-hmm. identify as trans. And like, there are a lot of Catholics who are pushing bills right now that are against my existence. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, I had an abortion and now I feel like I can't. There's no one I can talk to about it without being shamed for it. And so I think that usually when I have someone pull me aside, kind of like you said, it's not to berate me as much as it's like I think they want some type of sense made of like. I was really hurt by this thing and yet you care about the thing, thing things that I care about. So mm-hmm. how are you still part of this thing that is mm-hmm. like actively hurting me? And I think those yeah. are good questions as someone yeah. who like hopes to get married in the church one day. I've also known that like some of the best, some of my best people who would be on my sides for that um, have been harmed by the church. And, you know, I've just learned what would it mean to like invite them back into that space? You know, right. is that right. is that kind? Is that nice? Is that Right. Okay. Um, right. because as someone who calls myself Catholic, I am tying myself to a thing that is actively done a lot of harm and still does, um, mm. to many people, right. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. something I have to, I think, reconcile more often than the other way around, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Oh, Uh, I want to go back to Dorothy Day, but you're 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 (laughs) nailing you're nailing the uh, without without any, you know, empirical examples, you are narrating really my experience. And I think I want to point this out. I wanted to raise it to say, like, if I'm being honest, I have to admit that it's not always easy, you know, but there are some really radical differences on my interactions with fellow Catholics. It is a routine, to be honest many people see it in public daily experience to be berated by my um by my brothers and sisters in christ who are uh members of the same ecclesial body of the roman catholic church and to be uh insulted and all kinds of things um now there's also really positive interactions and middle ones but i've never been treated ever in the same likewise way in these moments of, Sam, I'm not going to, remember, I'm not going to say this in public. Like, I'm not going to out you. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt you, but I just got to know this. And I think what you said about it emerging from their own experience of pain and they're trying to reconcile it. A lot of times, you know, this is something that I thought of when you were talking, and this is a very concrete example from my side. I remember whenever the McCarrick report came out or whenever the Pennsylvania grand jury report came out or, you know, a few other moments where... It, it it went be well beyond intra catholic discussions. And I remember getting messages, DMs from completely secular, left-wing progressive comrades, friends, colleagues, allies, whatever, saying, this is a lot. Yeah. I, I just want you to know that like, you know, I know this is a lot for you and, and it makes me feel horrible. And I'm just like, you shouldn't be worried about me. You should be worried about the victims in the report, you know, but like, it's funny because not a single Catholic. And I think for good reason in some way, because we were in some sense together for those of us who were trying to mold this over and trying to understand how to feel or what to feel, or (laughs) if feeling was an option during those raw moments that made sense. But like, I've never had really the equivalent treatment, uh, from from my church, I'm trying to think of exceptions because of course memory is, is, is wrong. But the thing you said at the beginning, so I just want to affirm like a million times your description there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an important corrective to the just complicating kind of things. I think it's not both sides here. Um, but the thing you said at the beginning about Dorothy Day, uh, you found a way to express this um, better than I've been able to, which is why I've kept my mouth shut. <laughs> But there is something about the Dorothy Day as boutique world escaping exit from politics, society, this kind of escapist, all you know, and sometimes it's it's an escapism that that has moral virtues, like I'm going to feed the hungry on my street, and that is going to substitute for thinking about the common good beyond my street because who can do that we'll just do this so it's not to say that these these are empty gestures in all cases although Mm -hmm. i do think there's a lot of dorothy dave fans who are not (laughs) making the substitutions that others are making but i have some people close to me in mind who are making those substitutions all the way down to their lifestyle and stuff like that and props to them for that but i think you're really hitting something and i do want to push you a bit on the uh the theological, so like, you know, the idea of like, yes, of course we can't be Democrats or Republicans or anything like that. I think that's true on the premise that to be a Democrat or Republican entails some kind of an ontological submission of will and being and stuff. But it's just, to me, one of the reasons I don't generally buy that is that there's nothing theological about being a Democrat or a Republican, as far as I can tell. It's about, uh, and, and if anything, there's theological virtues about taking a position and, and organizing and working towards the good life and human flourishing within a pluralistic you know, world and so on. So I, I find that sometimes people not only use Dorothy Day, but even will use this kind of theologically predetermined or over-determined idea Well, like you can't be a Democrat. I'm like, no, I actually can be a Democrat, but the word be there isn't the same obviously, as what it means for me to be a a person or a father or a husband or a Catholic, right? Um, And, uh, but I wonder if you could say more about the Dorothy Day uh, situation. Not so much, we're not dumping on Dorothy Day here, right? (laughs) She's a holy woman, radical woman, a person whose life clearly testifies to uh, a a kind of, uh, you know, a kind of relationship to Christ that I can only dream of. Right. Yeah. And there's people who I think use those virtues, but to create this kind of um, this kind of easy exit strategy that I'm just more and more not buying and not convinced by.
1: Yeah. So I think on the first part, um, I was asked maybe a couple months ago to talk on a panel about Dorothy Day because I was working as a reporter. So talking about reporting as like a radical vocation and, um, was rereading a lot of stuff that I had originally had been so important to me four years ago. And I went through it again and found myself really disagreeing with certain things. And then just really being like some of these letters and journal entries, like she's very upset or she's very angry. She's very lonely. Um, and saying that she feels far from God. And so, like, mm. uh, it was like kind of like we need to remember that like she is human as well, yeah. which is why the saints, in theory, right, are supposed to be so relatable, um, is that they are humans. Um, right. and uh in the same way that like Jesus becomes you know, like all of that, mm-hmm. and so I think that with Dorothy Day, my critique also comes from, like, yes, I do think she should be granted sainthood. I think the fact that she had an abortion is an important part of the story that not a lot of people want to talk about. And also because she says she's against it, and it was wrong. It's the reason we're allowed to move forward with her beatification, right? Sure. Um, sure. And so I think that's an important part. I also think we must ask who's allowed to have these types of complicated politics. And if you're not white, Um, And you're not um, Dorothy Day, are you allowed to have those complicated politics? So, Mm. like, I don't know that that's always true. And like some of the spaces that uphold the Catholic Worker and Dorothy Day that like if you aren't like a lot of times the people who celebrate her progressiveness are often all white um, and so it's worth asking, like, you know, she had some really great writings at the time about what segregation and racial injustice injustice look like. And I think those are worth having. And also, sometimes it feels to me um, in like the Catholic media space, the only people who are allowed to have these nuanced views um, who aren't put into a box are often white Catholics. Um, and I bring that up because I think that I'm not saying that you can't be a democrat i'm not saying you can't be a progressive i think the the worry that comes from is is that your whole life are you answering to a party and sure. a politician before you're answering to god those are where like any but that's with anything right anytime sure. you have a false idol that can be social right. media that can be um a set of you know whatever it can, it doesn't mean just party and yeah i agree i think like part of the reason Biden does well is he entertains the sense of moderate, of not too much of anything, play it safe, especially after the he's last- He's
0: conservative. I mean, yeah. and if the yeah. word is going to have meaning, it, you can't yeah. listen to him and say he's not.
1: <laughs> yeah. And um, I say all of that because I think sometimes, um, like it, it's hard. It's like, I think Catholics want to say like, I don't buy into this divisiveness or this polarization. And, like, there are times you need to take a stand and know that Mm -hmm. people aren't going to like you for it. And Mm. if again, you answer to God, not people, then like you weren't created to be liked per se. You were created to like Mm. work for justice, which by default will like give you some enemies. And I think sometimes, um, People are scared to take a stance on something, especially if it's, uh, you know, racialized, which is almost everything. Um, And so I think like there is there is room and meaning and purpose and not fitting neatly into a box. And also, like, if I don't know where you stand on anything, like I have questions because when I read about who not just Jesus you know, was or is. But when I read about the saints, it's very clear what they stood for. I'm not sure. like, oh, wow. I wonder what they would have said about, it. like they, they sure. mostly written on this. Yeah. And so I think that um, there has to be room for this kind of, can I deal with people being upset with me? And I think that that's sometimes very hard for people, um, especially when there are other Catholics and fellow Catholics, um, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's room, like I... When people ask me who I voted for in 2020, I will say I voted for Joe Biden. Um, and, but also, like, in the primaries, I leaned more towards Bernie Sanders. And, yep. like, I... Also, you know, helped with the Warren campaign at one point. Like, mm. I, for me, was more, I am left of center and I am okay with that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I am, I, for me, it does not mean I am less Catholic. It just means that, like, sometimes in those spaces, I have to remind myself too, you know, like this. Yeah. Am I putting this above God, or is yeah, this—is yeah, yeah. it my faith pushing me to be in these spaces? Yeah. And those are sometimes very hard conversations when there aren't a lot of other people in those spaces having the same conversations, right?
0: Sure, sure. Um, it's funny. We're um, <laughs> with the exception of working on the Warren campaign, our our most recent politics are identical. Uh, I always joke Biden was second to last, just above Bloomberg to me which is embarrassing that now I should have seen through Yang and put him down lower than that, but you know, (laughs)
1: sure. But I think even Yang, right. Represented some, the the need for something new, right. Yeah. The
0: whole UBI thing, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, since ever since he went off and started his third party, I'm done with Yang forever. But you know, I was actually, I had friends who were like very Yang positive and people I thought were reasonable people. And so that, that pushed him a bit higher up the mark. But the point though is like, um, I think I think what you're bringing up is is really important and is um, it's just difficult to uh, to communicate, I suppose. Um, yeah. The this I mean the idea that, and and at some level I actually don't think it's a it's a Catholic issue, um, other than perhaps. Catholicism has overrepresented or overdetermined what it means to be a part of a member of a party or within a political party or what have you, um, and I just think about historically how um, how conveniently the church drags its feet, you know, with Francisco Franco or you know Pinochet or whatever, um, yet has this kind of lightning fast ability to uh, <laughs> to to prevent hard affiliations to, you know, other groups. It is to be said that like, you know, obviously like a lot of people don't know the Cristeros were actually, their leaders were excommunicated by Rome. There was no sympathy at all in Rome for those positions. And and I do think there is sometimes the the American Catholicism that just is (laughs) so loud and so dominating. I know some people have told me before like you know Francis isn't thinking about the United States all the time US just thinks that and and at first I was like you know that's probably true I mean he doesn't really speak very good English like you know that and then the more I read him and especially reading the 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 last one the, the interview he did the, is it uh, dare dare to dream or mm-hmm. the one about dreams mm-hmm. um, he's obsessed with the US politics he's talking about George Floyd he's talking about yeah. you know everything he's talking about is kind of through the lens of kind of a post Trump uh, realities. So, um, yeah, I think that's, I, and, and the points on day are also really well taken. I wanted to, um, ask a question that's sort of implied in some of the early things you said, but I think is, uh, worth talking about. I'm a bit frustrated by the whole Latino vote thing. Um, the, and and at the same time, when you were talking about drilling down into the data to start Mm -hmm. to see like, what does it mean for Catholics to be divided on you know these issues like i thought that was a really insightful comment one thing i think is really interesting is how the latino vote is in some respects a kind of catholic demographic
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know what i mean like you know yeah. there's there's not there's not as much i don't think there's as much cultural or ethnic cohesion as people think that like mm-hmm. the idea that mexicans and cubans and venezuelans and you know colombians and first and second generation and people like my family that have been in this country for six generations. Like, I think there's just so little in common. And there's clearly this institutional cultural reality of Catholicism, which also narrates a very different story about the Americas and certainly even the United States of America. That's not the 1776 or 1619 even, but it's the 1492 story, which is a much more Catholic front and center story, right? Yeah. Um, so those are my reasons. But I wonder, like, what do you make of the idea that that the question of the Latino vote is, in some sense, a uh, demographically, sociologically, it's a Catholic question or it's a religious yeah. question in the least?
1: Yeah, so I think as a reporter, um, this was something that, like, I almost wanted to write a style guide on because... Um, <laughs> Because, um, so many times I'd be interviewing people, um, who I've identified as, you know, Latino or Latinx and, you know, not all of them were Mexican, not all of them were first gen or third gen, not everyone spoke Spanish. Some only spoke Spanish, like, you know, um, but when I would ask, you know, are you Catholic? It would be hard to get an answer. So then Mm. what I started saying was, were you raised Catholic? Mm. What was your last experience with the church? Do yeah. you pray with your family? Do you carry yeah. a rosary? Is there a saint you believe in? And those were all yeses. And so I think, like, part of what the, my frustration is, is the more that the the more you think about Catholics and politics, if you only think about white politicians, but you aren't thinking about the fact that like Sonia Sotomayor was raised Catholic and did go to Catholic high school. And that did shape a lot of, you know, what she means, even if she's not practicing today. Um, Same with like Joaquin Castro, Um, Julian Castro right announces his presidency across from the church of where he went of where his kids were baptized yeah. Things like this, AOC, right, raised Catholic. Totally. Um, yep. These shape a lot of what these people go on to work out and issues they care about. Now, do they still identify Catholic? That's a hard question. Can you ever stop being Catholic? That's a more loaded question, right? Like, especially if you're culturally raised Catholic. And I think what I try to tell people is, for um, a lot of non-white Catholics, there aren't neat categories of like religion is, like over here and. Um, politics is over there and finances over there like for most of us it's all mixed together there isn't a fine line and so I say this because when you ask questions you can't just say are you Catholic or are you not usually i then i ask instead you know how are you raised when did you get confirmation um you know who do you pray to when you're sick and what does your mom say and what did you learn and did you baptize your kids and you know things like that and those are usually more what tie I would say, the community together, and by the community, I mean the Latinx community, um, regardless of country of origin, um, regardless of status or Spanish, right? This is something that ties a lot of people together. And so, yeah, I often think it's um, a, a failure or upsetting when I see People trying to dissect what the like the Latino vote is, and then they don't bring any sort of sort of Catholicism into it, right? Yeah. Because it's to miss a whole part. And the flip side is like you can't just do the stereotypes. You can't just throw up a picture of La Virgen and be like, okay, and I've done it. And like that will like if you throw that up in like part of Maryland, that's not really going to land, right? Like yeah. it, in the same way that if you're in you know West Texas or Southern California, it means something different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that so many times I see people trying to dissect this vote without any religious literacy or any religion being mentioned. And I'm like, just because someone's not practicing doesn't mean it's culturally embedded. And so, for example, like, um for one of the number one his- issues for latinos so long um for so long has been health care right, right. Um, but just because someone votes democrat on health care doesn't mean that they're by default pro abortion right. just because someone is anti-abortion or pro-abortion does not mean they agree at what week is acceptable or viable or personhood but what usually ties all of that together is most of that has come from their catholic upbringing right and so like it is definitely worth mentioning, without saying that it decides the vote or that the like, you know, because they're Catholic, they'll vote this way. But it does need to be mentioned to understand what's influencing or going through someone's head on certain subject matters, right? Um, because just because if you're a Latina who's 45 who's anti-abortion doesn't mean you vote Republican. It means you believe those things, but your number one issue is access to health care. So then, by mm-hmm. default, you vote Democrat, right? Yeah,
0: um, yeah. Those are
1: changing. Um, but like, that is like a thing. So it's worth mentioning that you can be both and right. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And a lot of this maps, of course, onto the black church, including black Catholics, um, uh, really, really, um, really evenly. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: you know, it's so funny because, uh, the word Catholic, um, Catholicity, all that stuff, there's a, a really strong vibe that is, uh, says if it's not theological it's not authentic um and i just think that's wrong for for really clear and basic reasons um you know uh every identity comes with all kinds of different ways we can think about it and there's no real use i don't think and uh, for instance i have some guitars and those who aren't who are listening i have guitars behind me and you know I, I would find it completely strange for someone to say, like, we can't talk about guitar unless we're talking about jazz, or we can't talk about guitar unless we're talking about performance. And so and it would be like telling a luthier, you know, you're not allowed to talk about guitar at the level of wood selection or something like that. Like, I think everything can be, can be talked about in different ways. And I think one of the things that your comment brings up is that, like, there's there's a psychological discussion around catholicism and what what i mean by that is like how do people who have been raised or educated or brought up in a way where catholicism is in their stream of consciousness how do they think do they think in particular ways i think there's a obviously downstream or upstream as it may be uh from that is the cultural question of course which is how do people um who have a uh, live in a you could say catholic environment or catholic you know culture or family you know, do they particularly do they particularly um, live their life in a way that's more Catholic than those who don't? you know like these kinds of questions. And I wonder, I guess the first question is why are people so scared to have a sociological, psychological, cultural, in some ways secular uh, discussion of the meaning of Catholicism in terms of how it, is brought up in our ways of in, a, a very famous bishop recently said that religion or the Catholic religion was reduced to an ethics. And of course, ethicos is like, how should we live? Or what is the good life? And so, and I was just like, I think religion should be understood ethically among other things, but like, I don't see how ethics is an imposition on religion. Um Are you getting the, the, cause I don't want to drop any, you know, straw dogs either. Like, you know, I mean, I hope this is real, but h- how do you respond to that sensibility? Cause I think you're making a lot of sense in this kind of analysis you're giving.
1: Yeah. So I didn't read those comments. Um, but mostly because with that particular Bishop as someone who was in LA for a long time, um, sure. I just tend to not yeah. read comments from that person. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, for many reasons. Um, but I think that, um, there's a couple points. I think, um, You can almost relate this to the question of, like, do you want to claim your Americanness? And sometimes there's a litmus test on, like, who gets to claim it. Sorry, dog. Um, It's okay. There's a litmus test. Well, like, have you served your country? Have you done this? Have you done that? Do you own a home? Uh And so then people are, are, uh, like, I haven't done enough to claim it, right? And on the other hand there's some embarrassment. There's like, well, my country's doing all of these things and I do not want to associate with. And it's not just like embarrassment, right? Like if you think about the, sorry, um, if you think about the past, um, the American, how it came to be, especially as it relates to the slave trade, um, because there hasn't been adequate reconciliation there, because, you know, reparations does not exist, because Black Americans are still treated unfairly, the hesitation to claim the Americanness does not come from just like, um, I think an ignorance does not come from a ungratefulness. It comes from a very much like, you want me to associate with this thing that has done a lot of evil. Um, and so I think claiming the title of Catholicism is very similar. In some ways, we do this litmus test of like, um, you know, do you go to mass? Are you against abortion? And, you know, did you marry one person and have as many kids as possible? And Mm -hmm. if you don't check off those three things, I think people are like, well, then I'm, I am not a practicing Catholic. Right. And so like, you have people who, you know, maybe have had an abortion or support abortion. You have people who have been divorced. You have people who are raised in single families. You have people who can't get work off to go to mass every Sunday, who don't feel welcome at mass, who do not, have enough money to wear something nice, so they do not want to go to mass. And so you do this litmus test of like, well, you don't do these things, so you're not Catholic enough to publicly claim the title. And in that same thread, you have people who are raised Catholic who are like trying to figure it out and are kind of embarrassed for good reason yeah. to claim that title, whether it be the relation to the um, kind of way that colonization and Catholicism has gone hand in hand look at the role of Catholicism in the Atlantis slave trade in um, the way Native Americans were treated in the way current racism is aided and embedded and so I think there's this push and pull of like what I often say is if you want it you should be able to claim it whether that is Americanness whether that is Catholicness whether that is being, you know, Latino, like if you are if you are trying to be part of that because you want to be part of that, you should be allowed to be part of that. And claiming that comes with a lot of responsibility to make sure. it better and to make it for all and sure. to wrestle with the history that exists in this country and in this church that has done a lot of yeah. evil, not bad, but evil, sin without God, no love, yeah. no compassion. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's, where the push and pull is, is that you have people who have no qualms going out into the public sphere saying I am Catholic and this is why, and this is the only way to be it. And it's a very American Catholic thing to say. Whereas like yeah. um, when you look at the the wealth in this country compared to other countries where Catholicism is booming, it's a completely different lived experience. So like, if the litmus test in the the US of A was used other places, you'd be like saying most of the world isn't Catholic. And that's just not true, right? Um, But I think also, like, there is a hesitation to say that in certain spaces, if you're going to do work where the Catholic Church has done a lot of evil and terrible things. um, And so I think you saw this a lot with like, you know, Catholic churches and schools not wanting to fly a Black Lives Matter flag, right? right. Um, and part of that, no one was shocked. They're like, of course, they're not going to fly that. They're going to see it as too political. And on the other realm, like the church, even if they were to have fl- flown that flag, there's so much work that they need to do past and present with Black Catholics, with Black Americans and present, you know, where, where they've done a lot of wrong. And so I think it's a push and pull of like, The church could claim more, more people could claim the church, but there's also this reckoning that I think people will want before they start claiming it. Um, And people who have no qualms and think that they are the perfect Catholic and will go out and profess that and then police whoever else tries to claim it. Um, I think that that's why for so many reasons, again, I am not a huge Joe Biden as a person fan, but I was extremely hurt by the policing of, of the Eucharist because if that man has gotten baptized, then Joe Biden is Catholic and we can push him on what his Catholic identity looks like. I can say my Catholic lived experience and his are very different, but like another Catholic politician doesn't get to take that away. A Bishop doesn't get to take that away. You know, like excommunication is a thing for sure, but like so is baptism and the power of baptism and the power that no one can take that away. And I think so often the pe- there are just one group of people who end up policing all of the other lay Catholics, and that's just simply not fair, right? Because if you're policing others, if you're policing communion, then what is the point of of all of the things that we say make us different in the Christ- in the Christian world, right? Hmm.
0: Yeah. No. This is. I, I. agree. I agree with so much of this, and I think that. Um, you know. To a listener who's maybe, um, because I do also find that people just get, um, it's almost like they have a certain amount of, they only have a certain amount of tolerance for like, okay, I can listen to this for so long, but then I just, you know, explode with, and I think the question everyone says is like, well, Catholicism is among other things, also a kind of dogmatic propositional (laughs) statement that to be Catholic has to mean that you, you Uh, can profess the creed in good faith and that you can accept and you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's not just a willy nilly thing. And I think that at some level, our discussion is getting at like, well, yes. And it does have certain willy nilly in the sense that sometimes you have no choice.
1: Yeah. (laughs) If your
0: parents are Catholic and you're raised in a Catholic household and and you're, or you're living in a Catholic neighborhood. uh, I'm thinking about neighborhood, my grandparents back in far Texas, you know, you don't have a choice. Yeah. You, you have to be Catholic. Like you don't you don't have to ever go to mass. You don't have to do anything. But but you're going to have a Catholic sensibility that um, people who aren't raised in neighborhood won't have. Exactly. Um, and I think that that's very different than saying everyone who is Catholic um, is um, somehow able and capable to take a total dogmatic, propositional, you know, identity. Uh, those are, in some ways, two different things. And obviously the church has some interest in, in having, a, in some ways, a faithful church, I guess. But I don't think that that faithful church is necessarily juxtaposed from El Pueblo, right? Yeah. The, the people yeah. And, and their and their life ways and their experiences. And I think that that dichotomy is the dichotomy that, um, whether it's the bishop we were mentioning or others who say this, that's really a false dichotomy, I, I
1: believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so often in Latinx theology in the U.S., the, the look on the, like the in the everyday is something that's used, right? Because it is all yeah. equally sacred, the everyday God in all things, the the common mundane tasks of cooking foods for people you love and opening your home. Um, does that not make you equally Catholic when so many of those examples of feeding and housing are used in the gospel, right? Um, and I think that's a bigger tension of like, in the U.S., people are having this push and pull of what qualifies as being Catholic enough. And as someone who studied mm-hmm. theology, right, and went to eight years of Catholic like education, like the yeah. nerd in me really appreciates the liturgy and how it ties back historically, and that there is a creed and all of these things. And because I take so many of those things very seriously, there are times where I'm like, I don't, I can't say this creed in good faith. I can't participate. Mm. I am equally for the Catholics that I most criticize or bring me anger, I am still in one body with them and that really hurts, right? And so I think mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. it can be both and like the beauty of Catholicism for a lot of people is this liturgical, historical, traditional religion and if you lose right. that, you lose a lot of what makes Catholicism mm-hmm. different and and if you are so caught up in the institution and you have forgotten the people, you have a bigger yeah. problem at hand, right?
0: No, for sure. I mean, the point you make about the liturgical, historical, traditional, this is something that kind of, uh, I mean, the, the recent rise of this traditionalist thing. No, it's bizarre to me because I have, i like initially before I knew it was going to become a sort of a brand, I I would have ascribed to all of the aesthetical um, preferences of today's, you know, rad trat. And a lot of those were formed in me by my very conservative, traditional Mexican Catholic upbringing, um, including the traditional Latin mass by the, the oratorians in far Texas, St. Jude San Juliitas, as we used to say. And, and, uh, So for me, there's but to me, there's something really bizarre about the the neo-traditionalism of today, which is that the claim is that Catholicism is is great because of its worldliness, because of that that sense of liturgy, tradition, and history that are um, realities that are aesthetically presented and are sensual, and that I'm into all that 150 Mm percent. And to me, it follows from that, that then the cultural, the folkloric, yeah. the communal, the the social would only matter more, you know? Um, and for whatever reason, they kind of, they cut the script off yeah, um, yeah. at a point. And I'm just like, we were just getting started. I was with you. And then all of a sudden you turned your back on all this stuff.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, it's a little bit be- like be- bewildering to have a movement that is so, um, Traditional and so by by the book, as they like to say, and also mm-hmm. is the loudest in critiquing what we see as infallible, and the the head of the hierarchy in the same breath is is very um, questionable <laughs> to put lightly, but theologically is also just very confusing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a that's such a good point. I want to go back to uh, that earliest. Uh, or that very early point about the the difficulties of floating between sure. Catholicism and the less uh, a listener might say doesn't sound like you two are floating sounds like you're just being Catholic right now you know <laughs> you're not <laughs> and and I would I would I would remind them of your note earlier that well maybe it sounds that way but uh, I'm guessing that within some of the shared experiences that we might have here uh, maybe that's not as clear uh, in our own experiences sure but to that skeptic. Um, I, I'm one of the differences that I see really clearly, uh, and one of the, I don't want to say anomalies, but something that, that really intrigued me about your story is your self-description, your auto-disclosure of yourself as someone who converted to Catholicism and also the, the narrating of that through the finding of the baptismal record, which did in fact exist, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so on the one hand, you're, um, you're a convert I would say in the way um, I always say like Augustine is a difficult convert. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, um, (laughs) because, because of, because of Monica, you know? Uh, And uh, like, I, like, I want to ask the question, like, is it true in fact that Augustine wasn't Catholic until book nine of the confessions or like, you know, um, uh, the, the, the question though I have is that like, so in my case, like I have a pretty um, I lean pretty heavily on the kind of just basic cradle Catholic. And I'll do the whole six generations and whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't hear you not having some part of that sense of identity. And I do hear you identifying in in a very different way. Um, And so I guess to me, I'm just, I'm really curious um, because oftentimes the cradle versus convert dichotomy (laughs) is made so big, but in particular, I find that when I find progressives or people on the left who feel able to inhabit a Catholic identity, whether they're practicing or not, what have you, I know a former priest Quaker uh, who's like the most Catholic person I've ever, <laughs> and like the most priestly person too, in like a really good way. Um, a lot of times, I think their some of their confidence for their Catholicity comes from that kind of cradled you know, this, I've been in the water for a long time, kind of, I've always said like cradle Catholics can oftentimes are be a little more chill, uh, and converts can get a little hyper. Uh, and, and and those are virtues and vices depending on where you find them. I see you as occupying, uh, uh, something (laughs) slightly (laughs) different both. and, 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 and so I wonder how that works on the left. Right. You know, because, um, it's, it's, uh, like, here's what I'm really trying to say. I'm sorry it's taking me so long.
1: Okay.
0: When, when people ask me, Sam, how, why in the world are you Catholic? Like, what's the deal? I have, I have an easy answer that I have my first answer. My first answer is I'm Catholic because my parents are Catholic and their parents were Catholic and their parents, parents were Catholic. And that's the six generations thing, right? Yeah. You know, I, I'm, 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 uh, Hannah rent has this idea of our unwilled inheritances. Yes. Right. Yes. Catholicism is my unwilled inheritance. And I, um, and I treat it like an inheritance, uh, in, in the best sense, yeah. right? And and they can always vibe with that. They can always like we can work from there into maybe statements of creedal belief or principles or values or whatever. But I always start in that kind of anthropological place. Your anthropology, your autobiography is like familiar, but clearly <laughs> not the same. And so I'm just over here kind of uh, Trying to puzzle through it a bit. wondering if you could say a bit more about that, about it.
1: Sure. Um, So to be fair, my grandma was raised Catholic um, and was Catholic. And my dad was, you know, did do the thing of living in Texas and being Catholic. Um, But then (laughs) his family, you know, split. And then by the time he was back with his mom, his mom was no longer Catholic, had remarried someone who was Catholic, but decided she was more um, among the evangelical route. So I would say that that part of the family actually represents a trend that we see of like third generation, fourth generation Latinos who are maybe over 40 who move from, you know, pre-Vatican to rate being raised Catholic and are now evangelical. And this is like, not a unique trend to the us um i think brazil is another example of like what was once a majority catholic country is now more pentecostal than anything bolsonaro himself i'm pretty sure is uh, pentecostal like mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. a trend right that we're seeing um so i think you know i do have some of the family but i was not raised in any way catholic i'm um, so much so that like uh this, i went to a, a school called saint francis xavier with an x so mm-hmm. when people were doing the sign of the cross i thought they were making like an x for xavier <laughs> my mom picked me up one day and i was like yeah i guess the pope was here and she was like no and i was like yeah like he had the hat and she was like and i was like no like he was he came to mass like <laughs> it what? and i was just i didn't know that there were archbishops and bishops and they all had the hats right um mm-hmm. so i very much was like not raised with the familiarness of it But I think, you know, I don't really believe in that everything happens for a reason or this is all part of God's plan. Like, I think that sometimes doesn't sit well because it's used as like a way to justify tragedy or not to fix root causes. And I do believe the idea of like God is at work in our lives before we even know it. And so I think the fact Mm. that I became Catholic at 17 um, and that I had to actually fight the diocese because they're like well you're going to turn 18 while you're in the confirmation program so just wait um, do the RCIA Mm. program and I was like I want to be able to um, be a Eucharistic minister for my high school before I graduate and they were giving me such a hard time about it and I remember my mentor being like you have kids who are being dragged to confirmation class who don't want to be here and then you have someone fighting your way into it like let her just let her take it like you don't have many people who are like begging to be confirmed just do it you know um and I think for me um there are so many times where I'm like this is what hurts to be Catholic but then there are very very clear moments to me where I'm like and this is why I'm Catholic and I think most recently one of those was the pandemic of like but of course I would wear a mask wherever I go, even if I'm healthy, because what if I make my neighbor sick and what if Mm -hmm. I get my neighbor sick who gets their grandma sick? And like the way that we sit up in mass and literally turn to everyone and we're like, sorry, I sinned brothers and sisters, please forgive me. And then they look at us and like, sorry, I also messed up, please forgive us. And we're all like, yeah, we all sinned and it all impacted each other. Like, we didn't just yeah. sit in our home and it didn't go anywhere. It went everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sin and COVID, like this is so similar, right? Like you might not have it, but then you might give it to someone and it might impact someone. And so we should all wear a mask and all stay at home because we're all connected to each other. Like this, Virus doesn't just happen in isolation it's so communal and so communal mm-hmm. among the people who do not want to be communal who do not want to be connected and so often that's kind of what it feels like to be catholic right and so it was like very reassuring to me and i think when i talk about politics um you know social democracies all of that it is what is good for the common good it is not just what is good for me it is mm-hmm. you know like so often people like want to romanticize the sacrifice that was made in World War II and not romanticize that it wasn't a real sacrifice but that you know like we couldn't do it today and I'm kind of like yeah we couldn't but not because there aren't wars at stake it's because we're so individualistic and I think like you know there were rising gas prices and part of that was well we are doing this because of what's happening in Russia and Ukraine so are we willing to drive less right in World War II, mm-hmm you always carpooled right because mm-hmm. um I, I think uh what was the slogan riding alone is riding in with hitler right because you was-
0: <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know that wow. yeah
1: um my partner is a big world war ii person and so that is the okay. only reason i know that to be very clear nice. um <laughs> but nice. um i think what i'm getting at is that to meet our climate goals by 2030 right It is a communal effort that needs to absolutely be done. Are we willing to turn off all of our air collectively? Are we all collectively willing to use less water to do all of these things so that all of us can be around for much longer and have a better life? Are we willing to... Use electricity and all of this, while also looking at like corporations and people um, sure. who who spend or use as if they were the only people on Earth, right? Um, sure. Celebrities in LA just got charged with using, like I think the average Angelino uses seventy-two gallons of water, and some of these celebrity homes were using hundreds and thousands of gallons of water. Mm. And for mm-hmm. me, the Catholic in me is like, how could you not think about the common good of we are in a drought. California is in a drought. <laughs> like You can't just be using hundreds of thousands. Yeah. And so it's really that communal mindset that I am connected to everyone that keeps me Catholic um, when it is very difficult to be Catholic as, you know, a young woman in this country. Um, it, it, you know, there are so many times I have not been offered jobs in the Catholic world because of what I believe or what I've said. There are times I've had to leave Catholic jobs because they are not friendly to who I am as a person. Um, and I I take that really hard. I take that really, you know, every time it hasn't worked out with me in a Catholic organization, it breaks my heart. This church has broken my heart many, many times, as most institutions in this country tend to do. But, you know, what keeps me Catholic fundamentally is the idea of that we should Care about who's around us that we are designed to be in communion. We are designed to take care of each other and love each other. And I think so often what you'll find is that if you are from a black or brown community, we're already doing that. Like when you make an income, it's not your income; it's your family's income. When you buy a house, it's not for you and your nuclear family; it is for a generational household. When you reuse something, you give it to someone else in the family, and they give it back to you. Like it's very communal. It's very sustainable. And for me, it's really what I believed how we were designed to live. Um, And so that's what keeps me Catholic, but it is not something that I'm just every day proud to be. There are many days where I'm like, I don't understand how, in the year of 2014, as an 18 year old, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do when most everyone else was not doing that. And most converts, like you're talking about, convert, so that they can be part of very traditional movements. And that's also not me. And so I'm kind of like, this is a very weird thing to happen. And also to pretend that it didn't happen would not, would not like all of the Jesuit discernment and Ignatian spirituality that has been taught to me. me, It means something, I don't know what it means, but like it means something. So to ignore it would also not be correct, right? Because it would just come back. (laughs) It always does.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Folk Phenomenology and special thanks to Melissa Cedillo. Folk Phenomenology Season 2 is generously supported by Whippenstock Publishers, St. Mark's College Center for Christian Engagement, Give Us This Day, Solidarity Hall, Black Catholic Messenger, U.S. Catholic, Commonweal Magazine, and the Juan Diego Network. Be sure to see the show notes for links to our sponsors. Also, please share this episode and subscribe on your favorite app or platform, and also find Folk Phenomenology on Twitter and Facebook. Folk Phenomenology is hosted and produced by Sam Rocha, that's me, with a soundtrack by Aaron Ross Hansen. Now go out and love the world. Dilexi mundum.
1: What is interesting to me, really interesting, and I can't define it, is because it's interesting. I can't say exactly what it is, but it's the most interesting I don't word, concept, idea. My job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary.
0: Love is where you find it, it's where you find it, it's where you find find love, Hmm? is where you find it. And you don't know where it will count you.
1: And it is a terrifying thing, love. It's the only human possibility, but it's terrifying.
0: Through the eyes of our ears, We see the beauty of hope. We see the beauty of pain. We see the beauty